Hey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. And I'm Shelves. And we hope you guys can totally relate. book club number two Woo! yeah we're so excited this this time we read come as you are by dr emily nagoski before we jump into the meat of the book why don't we go around and introduce ourselves just by name only you don't have to mention your favorite position just name (laughs) just your name well i'm shelby duh i'm allison don dalton kenna tava corby Taryn. And Rissy! Yay! Okay, so a basic overall view of the book is just like basically taking the science of sex and applying it to female sexuality and really dispelling like the myths and the shame narratives and all the silly things that we pick up as we grow up in American culture. All those shameful things we feel about our bodies and about Mm -hmm. sex and Emily Nagoski just lays out the science for us, gives us lots of analogies on how we can view and accept our bodies and our sexuality and apply that to our relationships. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? I just thought she was amazing at giving like, okay, if this is your issue that you're struggling with, this is how you can fix it. Ooh, yeah. She mm. gives so, a lot of solutions. So a lot of solutions went on top of um, yeah. what you had mentioned, which, Science. so it's the scientific, okay, this is wrong, or this is, doesn't work for you, try this. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's something that stuck out to me immediately, uh, and it was really heavy in the first chapter of the book, was just physiology, right? And just breaking it down as far as how, from fetuses, how we grow into a human body. With that being said, she just breaks down um, the simplicity of science and how our bodies are created. And I felt like that was so helpful for me right off at the beginning was scientifically at age 12 weeks is when your organs start to decide whether you will be born with a penis or you will be born with a vagina. And what does she say? We're all made of the same parts just organized in a different yes. way. Yes. Yeah. Was that mind blowing to anybody else? Yep. Yeah. I, I love how it. much she said it over and over because it was like, okay, I got it. I got it. I get it. And it's yep. sinking in and I'm believing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just you really. are normal. She yeah. said it a million times. You are normal. Yes. yes. I love it. I think that was the part that like stuck out from the very beginning. I can't even tell you how many times in my life I've thought, you know, I'm just broken. Like, it's mm-hmm. just me. Like, my body just isn't working properly and in the introduction she doesn't even get to chapter one before she like just dispels that like you are not broken you are normal and I thought that was so helpful to add to that being older and the things that don't work like they used to when you were young and 20 and now that you can do this but you are normal just taking out that that shame of I used to be able to do this, and now it looks different. Yeah. Or even after, yeah, she just throws or in just, childbirth. Or yeah. No matter yeah. what phase of life, you're normal. Yeah, like, you're normal. It just was, yeah, yeah, so helpful. So I actually went through the anatomy with my husband because I just wanted, like, I was like, how much do you know about this? Because I don't, and it's my own body. And so yes. we just, like, we're like, let's talk about the anatomy of this and how it's actually laid out and how it actually looks. And both of us were like, we didn't know that. Like, yes. That's yes. surprising, but it was cool to be able to be like, this is the way it is. Yeah. And yeah. it was helpful to know, too, because we have daughters, and to be able to be like, we can teach our daughters better than I was taught, mm-hmm. because they deserve to know about oh, their absolutely. bodies and deserve to know what they look like and that it's okay and that it's normal, whereas I was afraid of my body mm-hmm. until recently, and that's unfair to them to have them go into life being afraid of their own bodies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I literally pulled up, like, a diagram of the vagina on my tablet, so it's larger than life, and I'm like, yeah. get to know that. And he's like, oh, well, that makes sense, but nobody would ever yeah. look at a woman's genitalia with me and show me, mm. this is what this does, mm-hmm. and they're so embarrassed to ask, yeah. and there's so much shame about looking at the bodies of somebody else, and I think that's so sad, that we don't make that just a, 
That's part of women's health. That's part of, if you're a single father and you have a five-year-old girl who's getting frequent UTIs or yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis, if you don't understand how that works and you're uncomfortable with that, you can't help them. Absolutely. And it's, it's just part of being human. We need to understand our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think I, like I work as a nurse and so I always felt like, oh, I totally get like the anatomical, like I'm all over it. I know where the things are and like how it all works. But this book I felt like really opened up like, but it all is going to look really different and that's okay. And I think just even in recent years, I started seeing, oh yeah, everybody's like boobs are really different and it's okay. Like nobody's got this like perfect vision of what boobs are or, you know, some people do, but like everyone's are so different. And then to think about that, about like your vulva and your vagina is like, oh, I don't, I just never even thought about that. And I've probably seen mm-hmm. more than a lot of people, yeah. but I still yeah. didn't like think about like, oh, but that, that's okay. Yeah. And it, and it, all of it's normal and it's all the same. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was one thing and that just immediately was like, okay, I'm dispelling this. I'm, uh, and we'll probably get into that, but she talks in the book about, a medical message, a media message, and a moral message, and how everybody is kind of exposed to this messaging. Um, And this really makes sense to me because we're all kind of exposed to it, but because of our own experiences and because we're all unique individuals, we take things. like So maybe I took more of a moral message, and maybe you took more of a medical message, and you know what I mean? But it's like that's but the root of these feelings kind of fall into those three categories. Mm-hmm. And immediately after learning our just anatomical physiology, where it was like, oh, I can let go of that. And that is such, was very degrading for me in high school. I felt like I was always so concerned if I was normal. Like, am yeah. I am I normal? Am I, am I okay? Am I attractive? Is this, like is this a good body, yeah. I guess. And so it was like one of those things that I felt like was almost immediately alleviated within the first chapter. I was like, well, goddamn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wish I would have learned this in biology class, you know? Yeah. Another thing that I thought was really interesting was how there she when she was sharing a moral message, it came from like the 1700s. Yes. And then there was like something, science had debunked whatever that message was 40 or 60 years later, but it didn't stick. Yeah. The thing that stuck was like the, the previous message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was well, that the hymen? I was, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Oh, yes. The hymen, the hymen I was like, being synonymous with yeah. virginity. Yes. That blew my mind. That yeah. it's not a, what did she say? It's not like a store and steal. And it yes, a store and steal. Yes. Like and like it a fresh seal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's not a freshness seal. I think she said like, it's not like you've plastic wrapped it. And once it's broken, you've lost your virginity or it has to break to, Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Completely mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, that the, was the first thing I marked. The hymen? You're like, wait, what? This is... Like, it's a social is, construct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Which is yes. insane. Because I thought it was a medical one. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Absolutely. And I'm a nurse. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, can we can we talk about the garden analogy for a moment? Oh, that was like something that was like yes. so helpful for me. That this like kind of ties in that idea of like you are normal, you are different, you are the same, you are normal no matter where you're at. And I loved that garden analogy. She comes back to it a couple of times throughout the book, but the idea that maybe um well, okay, so if your your sexuality is um, a combination between the soil that you bloomed in, mm-hmm. right? And this is something you don't have control over. This is like societal messages, familial messages, things that were planted in your garden that you really didn't get to choose. And yet this is like your terrain that you are existing in now. And then being able to identify what you view as a weed, the things you want to, uh, you know, pluck and and get rid of out of your garden, and then things that you want to water and nurture and continue to grow. And then also mixed in with the idea that like maybe you're more like a succulent or a cacti where you need watering less often, or maybe you're like a lush rainforest and you need you need more yeah. attention or more of that activity and I loved that because that just gave us like such a wide array where like you could fall in anywhere and still be normal and perfectly perfect exactly as you are yep. I loved that what did you guys think about the garden analogy? the thing that I love the most about that is I think as we get older it, and you start to identify here's where here's where some of my limiting beliefs are coming from here's where some of my like 
weird social paradigms have come from, it's very, very normal to be resentful of those sources and yeah. the culture you've been raised in or predominant religious messages that might have given you kind of skewed views of sexuality. And I think that sometimes people get stuck in the bitterness and yeah. in a victim story instead of recognizing this is my goddamn garden. Yeah. And whatever I want to put in here, I can put in here. And whatever I don't like, I can take out. And I don't have to transplant what I find in my garden into my kids' gardens. And I can mm, learn yeah. based on, that looked cute when I was a kid, but that grew into a really big freaking obnoxious weed that I could not get out, and it has tendrils and everything. And I'm going to get rid of that in the early stages in my daughter's life. And, and just recognizing, like, I have control. I have I have full power over how I define my sexuality, yes. my personality, my sexual activity. That's on me. And I don't have to hold on to the anger that set that boundary and protected me in the first place. Yeah. I can let that go. Well, and like the expansion of thought that your garden is not just one thing. Like maybe yeah. I grew up believing that my garden was a desert garden mm -hmm. and that it had like the aloe and the cactus and things like that. But maybe as I've grown into myself and discovered myself, maybe I'm more of a rainforest mm -hmm. and that it's okay that I'm not what I thought I was mm -hmm. and it's okay to grow. Mm -hmm. And that if somebody else is a desert, that that's fine too. That, that there's no one way to have anything and it's okay to open our minds up to the fact that each each of us are individuals and different and we're growing different things and we're experiencing different things and we like different things and it's all right and it's okay and we should cherish that and value it yes. rather than be afraid of it yeah I think that um, if you're a rainforest you should just be relishing in it because pretty soon you'll be a desert <laughs> <laughs> just enjoy but I, I kind of I want to add on to what you said a little while ago um, so I was brought up in a very small community, in a very religious environment, and, you know, purity was purity talked culture. about 24-7, mm -hmm. and so then I married somebody who wasn't brought up in a religious background or culture, and so I always felt like he was the abnorm and I was mm -hmm. the norm, mm. and so I felt like, oh, well, I'm married to somebody who is very dirty and very bad and very naughty. I don't know how you would say it. Yeah. Not virtuous, that's for sure. So anytime I ever, you know, after our marriage, anytime we ever had intercourse, I always felt a lot of guilt. Mm. A lot of guilt. And I just felt like I was doing something I'm not supposed to do, even married. And it wasn't until after I had all my children, all of them, that we started hanging out with some other very religious uh, friends of ours. And I remember them talking about having sex on the table. I'm like, you can do that? It's okay. Yeah. We can enjoy this. And it was l late into our marriage when I was able to finally relax and be like, okay, we got something going on here and let's mm -hmm. take advantage of it. Wow. Yeah. It was a long time into it. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's think about this for a second. So in, when you're in a setting where you're having conversations with your friends, which is where I learned mm -hmm. all this stuff, then you then a lot of this shame is taken away. If you don't have that, where are you learning about sex? You're learning about it from, and especially around here, you're learning from it from like priesthood holders or uh, religious men, right? Like you're learning from you're learning about this from somebody you have like really maybe not an emotional connection to, mm -hmm. um, somebody who maybe can't like necessarily identify with with your own sexuality or your own experience, and so that's the narrative that carries you into marriage even. Yeah. And like I relate to that experience a lot as well. Like, you know, who did I who did I receive counsel from when like I was having well, a hard time? We did time. sit down when you were eight and we did read the book. I just want you to remember yeah, that. Yeah, I did. Oh, I remember. The, I remember the picture specifically. I was like, that's a sperm. Okay. Like, I, <laughs> I see that now. I remember the pictures, and I do remember that. But, like, this is where it's interesting. So, like, like what you were saying, like, where you thought, like, I was, you know, I was a desert. Like, this, my sexuality happens, you know, when I am in the act of sex, which happens X amount of times per month or week or however. Like, thinking that that is your limited identity of, of your sexuality and then realizing that like no like my sexuality expands much more to that like my, it's like it's the touching it's the rubbing it's the massage like it's, mm. your sexuality is so much deeper than like the act of sex yeah, yeah. you right. know being able to talk to your kids about like what is the act of sex yes but like we're so much deeper and like so much more yeah like there's so much more to your sexuality than like just like 
boom, like orgasm. Intimacy. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's multifaceted. I, right. I, I really loved what she talked about with like viewing ourselves positively, right? Like, mm. Yes. Like complimenting ourselves, looking at what we love about ourselves rather than what we mm-hmm. don't love about ourselves, mm-hmm. finding those things and yep. talking to ourselves in a more positive way. Because I definitely fall into the category of where I view myself as yuck. Right? Yeah. And like that's the way I was raised. That's the way that I viewed the world is that yeah. I am yuck. And so my husband who's over here like, You are beautiful, like I want to do this, I want to be with you in this way. And I'm like, No, like that's not okay because I am yuck. Yeah. And to change try to change my mindset, like maybe even if I don't believe it right now, to saying like, No, I am beautiful, like I am sure. wonderful the way that I am and, and it helps. Like yeah. step yeah. by step slowly, right? We yeah. make progress when we start talking to ourselves more positively, but I've even found it translating into like my daughter who's four, where I will start saying nice things about myself in front of her because I want her to have a positive body mm-hmm. image. Absolutely. And she starts saying be- nice things about her, like, oh, I have beautiful hair, or oh, I have beautiful eyes. Like mm-hmm. just just loving ourselves for who we yes. are and helping our future generations not have the same problems That's, that we yeah. had to face. And, and helping our daughters recognize somebody who communicates with you in that way in that loving, positive way, not, you're so hot, you're so sexy, like, maybe, maybe that's your love language, maybe that's how you communicate, but somebody who communicates more than just pure lust, I went from an ex who told me my stretch marks from postpartum, you know, delivery looked like a Freddy Krueger's ball sack, (gasps) (laughs) yes, to a husband who sits and falls asleep at night rubbing my stomach and going, your stomach is so beautiful, I, Mm -hmm. I love... I love your body. I love mm-hmm. what your body has done. I love the little girl that it's brought into the world. And and at first I was like, yeah, that's it. Sure, whatever. You heard that in a movie and, <laughs> and you think that women like that. And, and then being open enough to recognize like, no, this is my narrative that this is disgusting. Somebody told me that this was unattractive and I believed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I need to know for myself, like, that's that's unkind. That's unloving. That's That's not how you communicate with somebody that you have an open and caring relationship with. And, and I think that we miss a lot of that dialogue that even just the way we discuss it changes how people view themselves, view other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the open conversations, you know, talking to your friends and like you're evolving from a kid, learning from your friends that know nothing. And you're talking to your friends <laughs> about all the knowledge you don't have. And, but the more you keep talking and the more open the conversation is, like you're always learning from each other and you're learning the everybody else's yums, at, but you've been told they're yucks or like, you're just changing your mindset consistently, and I think it's that open conversation with like your spouses and your friends, and I mean, I mean even talking about it with Shelby from fifteen to now is crazy. Like our conversation and the dialogue has changed so much, and as long as we keep that conversation open, this is like such a normal part of life. Yeah, mm, and we, that's something that we need to be honest with ourselves with, and as a society that yeah. everybody's doing it. So yeah. let's get over <laughs> and talk about it. The, yeah. the biggest I'm adding to that is that it's okay to talk about. Yes. Right. It's the yeah. biggest thing. It's always, yes. you know, kind of what you mentioned, you know, vulnerable and we don't talk about that and we don't. And then in the community and the religions, and you know, a lot is, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Right. You know, and so when you get older, you don't talk about it so you definitely don't have that conversation with your spouse about it um, let alone even just with yourself looking in the mirror and saying oh you are beautiful yeah you know take a mirror and look at what's you know, right it's okay it's okay to look at yourself it's okay to touch yourself it's okay to talk to your spouse about or your significant other or it's okay Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Adding on to that, it's okay to like it. It's okay to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's to want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I wanted to bring up with the garden analogy that I felt was so mind blowing to me in the book, and it kind of leads into what Emily Nagoski refers to as brakes and accelerators. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Thank you. But she talks about this. So. She's talking about a garden, and it's not just a sexual garden. It's not just 
sexual acts and what you like. It's the beliefs that you have, the mm -hmm. way that you feel about yourself, the interactions that you have with others. Um, what relationships are you nurturing? Uh, what aspect of yourself are you feeding? What aspect of yourself are you starving? That was very mind-blowing to me because I realized that that having a sexual relationship with someone is not just about the physical act. It's about the emotional connection that you have with them. And when we grow up, you know, per se in this garden, sometimes we're given certain ideas of what a relationship looks like or what communication looks like or, you know, you know, insert blank with all of that. But as you realize that you say, oh, this is my garden and this is how I want to tend to it. And you might like a rose bush. I don't like a rose bush. So I'm going to do all that I can to deal with it in the way that I know how. And you go ahead and water your rose bush, right? Like, so I loved how it was more than just sex that was in our garden and that all of those plants or interactions or relationships affect our relationship with sex, which goes into the brakes and accelerators where like maybe if you're having a tiff with your boss, it might affect your, affect your sex drive. Like, I don't know, separating everything like, Oh, my, my sexual self is only this corner. It's like, actually that's not true. My sexual self is all of me at all parts of the mm. day of my stress cycle and all that. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I wanted to hear maybe some of your thoughts on brakes and accelerators and how that affected your own thoughts on it. Yeah. Did you guys fill out the quiz? You take the quiz and the, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love the quiz. Yeah. I took the quiz with my husband. It was hilarious. It was really? Great. <laughs> He's like, brakes exist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm riding the brakes most of the day, babe. <laughs> Place. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many things that impact us what's some biologically I guess yeah. I mean let's just talk about hormones yeah right yeah. I mean hormones alone mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well kind of talk or lack of yeah open, open up about that yeah, talk so, a little bit more about that um, I know that when I was younger once I finally felt comfortable and that, that was a great thing for us to do I looked forward to that three times a month. That was great. I knew it was going to happen. I was like a book. Like, mm, this is the week. This is great. And it was um, an opportunity for my husband and I to be, become very close. I, I remember thinking, this is a gift that only he and I have. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that draws us closer. It's, it's just something only two people in that relationship can experience. It, it's, it's very sacred to me, I feel like. As I would get, as I got older, I was kind of afraid of hitting that perimenopause or menopausal state. Like, what will happen to me? Yeah, that's that's a whole another episode. But just enjoy yourself. <laughs> just enjoy yourself. So change tremendously with age. Whether yeah. it's your brakes and accelerators change from one yep. to the other. As you get older and you become more knowledgeable, you've driven more cars than you, know, <laughs> than you did when you were 16. Yeah. You know, you have an opportunity to to find out those things, and it changes drastically. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. remember my doctor asking me um, if I if I was dry. I'm like, fine, just use lube, right? <laughs> no, that's not what he's talking about. He's, it, I mean, there's so many things that go on down there with your body. Just, I mean, and guys don't and it have makes, that. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. makes sense though because it's like it's an entire reproductive system within okay. your body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, why do why do kids have to come out of there? Like, then that's a transition too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and just the fear of having it the first time after oh, your first yeah. baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
relationship with each other. And then we go in these moments where we have like these dry spells and we're like, what is happening? Like, why can't we have this again? And this conversation about the brakes and the accelerators and what hits our brakes and what hits our accelerators and recognizing that he also has brakes and accelerators mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. having the understanding between the two of us has actually benefited me just in the last month of understanding who he is, understanding who I am, and what are these things that are affecting it so that maybe we can get on the same page yes. to have more of those moments that are awesome and great yes. because we're understanding each other better, because we're conversing about it and we're talking about it and we're understanding who each other are yes. in a different light than we've ever understood before. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, sorry. No. Uh, the one thing I got out of that too is like how much that can change because I look back at my entire life of like being sexually active and I'm like, man, it feels so different through all the stages, but something in the book that I marked that I thought was really interesting was they were talking about, oh, if your partner is like caressing your arm and that's something that like you probably enjoy, if you're really calm and like you don't have a lot stressing you out, your body is kind of saying like, oh, this feels good. And your brain's like, it does feel good. Let's keep going. But if you're super stressed and you've got all this stuff going on in your head, and your body still might say, oh, this feels nice, but your brain is like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, like, yeah, get yeah. away from Shut me. I have too much going on, and they keep going, and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, don't do this. And maybe it's not coming out, like, that way. Sure. But internally, it's, is how it and it's the same exact thing that they're doing, but because you're in a different context, that's yeah. the word she uses a ton in the book, of, like, yes. what context are you in? And that really blew my mind, because I was like, oh, it just feels like once you figure it out, it's figured out. But like everything else in life, it's that's just not how it works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tom had nailed something, and that's the fact that men also have brakes and accelerators. Because I think with the stigma of yeah. women don't like sex, men Need always sex. want sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's that stigma you know, so we're fighting our own, you know, yeah. it's okay, we're normal, it's okay to enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, men, it, the, the truth has been, they've been lied to They were fed well. the same information. They, they were, were absolutely, yeah. they were absolutely. And yeah. so even though we can fix or adjust ourselves, if we have that male relationship, they need to do the same. Absolutely. And so that's why sitting down and talking about, okay, these are my brakes, these are my accelerators, and doing that with your spouse because it's just as important for them as it is for us. One thing I recognized is my husband had this issue where he was like, you never want anything until I initiate. Like, you're never an initiator. And that's because my brakes are on a lot. But once my brakes are off, my acceleration is pretty fast. And yeah. so it's like, if you'll initiate, then I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. But he, he wanted more initiation from me. He wanted me to be the pursuer, or however they yeah. worded it. And so recognizing this about myself, that my accelerator goes pretty fast once I am in it, and understanding that he is seeking that from me, he wants me to seek him, then I can say, okay, I know my brakes are on right now. I have zero interest in this. But I understand that he has a desire for me to want him. Yeah. I'm going to go in that direction and understanding that my brake will let off once yeah. once we're there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so even if I have to fake it for a second to get get him what he needs mm-hmm. so that Absolutely. we're on the same page, like it it helps and it works. And it's yeah. interesting just to understand what my brakes are, where his brakes are, and how to maybe manipulate it positively. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. manipulation yeah. I don't how, know. how to manipulate how that. to create but, the right context. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Wait, yeah. have you have you seen the the meme where it was like if you ever start to take people too seriously, just look around and realize that every single person has at one point in their life had a dick in their hands. <laughs> I was like, yep. Trip. We feel like our bodies are a bad thing. Yeah. And so like that the idea of like Learning to have your own self-love and feeling comfortable within your own self is so important because if not, then your body is a weapon, like yeah. even against yourself or even like within your intimate relationships. Yeah. And so, so being raised in Utah, right? Being raised religious, you get taught to cover your body up all the time. Like mm-hmm. you've got to don't show your shoulders. You got to lower your dress. You can't wear this because it's not acceptable. Your shoulders can't show. Like all of the different things that aren't acceptable to be seen. And how do you view it any other way but negative when you're constantly yeah, told that you need to cover up? Like you just internalize this idea of negativity about your own body. Isn't it so crazy how we have so much to say about it? 
Well, it's like everybody's doing it. Exactly. Like, don't kill yourself. And then yeah. we just have to pretend like... No, it's weird. We know what... But we're in such a culture that even, like, exploits sex so much in so many different ways, like advertising and all that. Like, it's literally in our face all the time, yet we're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. Well, think about down the road if something becomes abnormal down there. You wouldn't know if it's abnormal or not. Yeah. Right. Well, and see, I was one that I had taken a beer down there. From the time I was like 10, I was curious, what's going on? Wow, this looks different now that I'm 14. This looks different now mm. that I'm 20. And, and so After having kids. Yeah, and, and, have, and that's how I checked my episiotomy. And, like, that's never been weird for me. And having her say that and me go, oh, this isn't, like, a shameful thing that I'm, like, interested in my body. Like, that's actually a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's not the way that I would have been taught if I'd been like, I'm sitting here examining myself. Like, yeah. my, my family would have made that so shameful. Yeah. But yeah. I think when we talk about, like, what's okay to talk about and what isn't, like, when you when we're all saying, like, yeah, we all do this, so, like, why don't we talk about it? But I do feel like that's what comes from, like, that media message is, like, they do tell you, here's the list of things that you can talk about mm. and that you can be shameful yeah. about and, like, self-conscious about. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to, like, actually talk about, like, the body mechanics and the nitty-gritty of it. And, and then it just ingrains so that we all have the same message playing, even though in reality, we're all like experiencing things way differently, but then we're all feeling like the same shame from it. Yeah. And I just remember in fifth grade, I don't know, I don't know what they do in Utah. There's like no sex ed question mark in Utah. Uh, they teach abstinence only. Oh, abstinence cool. Only. So where I grew up, um, <laughs> we, we did actually get like sex ed. And I remember in fifth grade, they separated the girls and the boys and they, the boy, I don't know what the boys learned, but the girls, they talked to you about like periods and all of the things Um, but they did talk about like sex like we learned about the boys bodies and I remember they told us to bring in a picture of somebody that we thought was really beautiful and that we would all kind of like share that with each other like just talking about women's bodies and I brought in a picture it was like I don't know this is like the early 90s of Jessica Simpson Mm. and everyone was like she's really fat like whatever the picture was that I brought in I was like Oh my, but I thought this was like the picture of somebody from like my, you know, teen magazine that I thought oh, was like yeah. super pretty. And I was like, oh, well, if she's fat, then what, what am I? Because I? I hit puberty really early. So I was like, oh, oh no. You know, and then yeah. it just, and that's like my first memory of feeling like really Aww. bad about myself. Yeah. And so, but that's where we, but those other girls that said it, it's not on them. No. You know, it's not like something wrong with them that they said it. They were already there. That was their message. Well, they didn't internalize. And if you've got right? somebody that's been negatively, talking to you whether it's you know one of the boys at school or an older brother that's teasing you and making you feel like oh yeah I am fat and you're wrong this is wrong this is you know you just well well that's something that I'm like it is ingrained I mean abuse anything it's so ingrained and so that makes it even harder to let go and that just normal you are normal is was the best and i can't do a lot to change the media message right Mm -hmm. like there's not a whole lot i can do about that that's just going to exist and it's going to be a part but i can do everything in my power to change the other messages for my kids so that they're hearing positive messages about themselves and their bodies yes well something that i feel like uh you know just piggybacking off of all of this is um that this book helped me realize was alleviating shame the shame that we carry so I don't have that exact experience that you have Allison but I have a similar memory that's like coming up in my head right and I feel like what that did was it gave me a message of turning against my body and she talks about this in the chapter when she's uh talking about completing the stress cycle and okay wow right okay right that was my favorite okay Mm -hmm. so that was probably one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was um that there is a beginning a middle and an end to every single emotion so she's giving the example of like the lion being the predator yes our nervous systems react to threats as if, you know, back in caveman days, we're seeing a lion. Then she talks about how disgust and shame and all of these messages can sink in and we turn on ourselves where we become the lion. And that was mind blowing to me because I realized through a lot of things, there's, you know, turmoil in relationships or with your own personal body or self-confidence and uh, all of all of that. 
And I realized that it wasn't necessarily these situations. It's that I have made myself the lion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so she... Uh, so how do you feel safe when the lion is always present? Yes. But then she talks about through self-compassion and mindfulness, we can learn to trust our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that was so... Uh, it was like this epiphany for me that the problem... The problem wasn't me all of the all along. The problem was my distrust in me and not feeling safety in my body. And I can be really mad. I can be mad at the environment that I grew up in or the culture or the family or the messaging, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm choosing it. It's no longer on them. Like at some point, like as Kenneth said earlier, getting out of that victim mindset and into that empowerment. And I realized for me personally, the only way through empowerment is learning to feel safe and to trust my body. And Emily Nagoski says that those roots will allow you to flourish in your sexual relationships. And so building trust through mindfulness and compassion, it alleviates so much shame that we've been carrying around since... Fucking fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> and then that changes the context. Yes. And now you can take your foot off the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. And now you can just be here and and decide, like, does that feel good? That feels good. Yeah. I love how it talks about our culture and how it our culture kind of tends to tell us the messages that, like, we cannot express our feelings yes like there's never an appropriate time you know it says like in the book now is not an appropriate time for feels but unfortunately our culture has eliminated all appropriate time for feels Mm -hmm. we've lost like it's true like we are never allowed to just feel stressed or angry or whatever and so it says we've locked ourselves culturally into our own fear rage and despair we must build time space and strategies for discharging our stress response cycles and i love that she talks about like the stress response cycle and how it has to be completed because i feel like a lot of times i tend to stop it mid cycle because i'm like i don't have time for this i should be yeah. fine yeah i don't have time for this i shouldn't be mad i shouldn't be upset i've got to go do all of these other things so this can't be handled right now but the problem with that is like it doesn't go away and yeah. it comes out at a point yeah. in time yeah. that is probably the most inconvenient <laughs> yeah i mean the worst place that yeah it comes out and you think yeah. about when you're young like you can just throw a temper tantrum and you just like can let it all the way through you could be in the middle of the grocery store and like screaming your head off but you like let your anger out but they complete and it, it. It's, you're like oh that's a kid whatever yeah but obviously i mean i hope i don't do that as an adult <laughs> but i hope that in another way i can let the energy out and we totally don't no, we don't. And she talks about, like, all the ways. One of her ways to release the stress cycle is to do a primal scream. And it's like, mm-hmm. honestly, yep. we need to look to kids more because they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, they really right. do. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Like, they really do. Maybe I shouldn't do that at, like, Target. But maybe, Yeah. Like, like we can find a better <laughs> place. But, like, if you want to throw down in the middle of your living room. Right. Yeah. But, like, yeah. yeah. So that was huge for me because that a lot of times throughout my relationship sexually it's been a huge inhibitor in being able to be intimate with my partner because I'm stressed and I haven't allowed myself to complete that stress cycle and I love what she said I'm just going to read from it because she says it great completing the cycle requires that instead of hitting the brakes on our stress we gently remove our foot from both the accelerator and the brakes and allow ourselves to coast to a stop Mm. and I think too that as we do these things we learn to trust our bodies more yes and that builds the trust and then that just adds positivity into our sex lives because we're trusting who we are and trusting what our bodies are telling us instead of hiding from ourselves or like just pushing on the brakes even harder I think that's the context of it too though is like you think that you're in the same situation and you're like okay well why is this not working right now oh yeah you're like Okay, this usually does the trick. Sure. And the context is wrong. And it's like, okay, here's my breaks. Here's the context. Here's my stress cycle. Like, all this awareness of what's going on. And then recircling and like, oh, that's that's why. And there's another element that I feel like is really important is the element of non-judgment that she kind of brings yeah. in towards the end of the book. Oh. I'm glad that you said the primal scream because I feel like we 
stop what we think is appropriate or not rather than just allowing the stress cycle to complete and if we don't allow that stress cycle to complete then the context is always off like you're like okay why isn't this working for me it's like well because your body is physically holding on to energy that needs to pass through you yeah it's telling you there's a lion there all the time yes yeah. so you're always on edge because that stress cycles there and and if you stop it then you're constantly dealing with that feeling of like there's a lion there's a lion mm-hmm. yeah so like how are you supposed to relax and enjoy yourself and get into a setting where you can have sex Absolutely. and be intimate and enjoy it and be present when you're like oh there's a lion mm-hmm. yeah. I, I wish I had a dime for every time my husband said just relax. Just relax. <laughs> just give me that permission. Oh, yeah. And I just... That reminder. Just need to relax. Yeah. And those times that I felt like, okay, this is going to take 30 seconds, please. Like, hurry up, be done so I can get on with my night. Some of those nights where he's been like, just relax. Have been some of our best experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get, I'm really grateful for a safe partner who, who knows me and is patient and understanding and very tender. So yeah, maybe absolutely. that was oversharing, but I have yeah. a great, no, great partner. <laughs> I think that's amazing. What I, what I keep, the thought that keeps coming back to me is in uh, the episode where Shelby and I are sitting down talking with Annie and Taryn, at the end of the episode, uh, Shelby asks Taryn, like, why is this so, like, why is sex the most vulnerable thing we do? And you sit, and she's like, is it just because I'm naked? And then Taryn says, well, we're, you're naked in every sense of the word. And mm-hmm. I feel like that just keeps coming up because mm-hmm. it's not just about like, this is my body, put your body in my body. It is like... Well, these are my breaks, actually. And, like, opening up and telling this person who, like, I need you to see me as desirable. And also, my (laughs) breaks are on. You know, like, it's, it's that emotional intimacy that really is, like, the nakedness of who you are. Not your body nakedness, but, like, your emotional nakedness of, like, this is, these are my breaks. This is where my head's at right now, like. Actually, no, I would like, I would just love to be held right now. I'd love to be caressed or like, I need a reminder to just like, breathe in, relax. Like it's that nakedness that is, that makes it so vulnerable. It's like going on a big vacation. Like if you could just get there and just escape and experience that like oneness and that connection that you just can't get in any other adventure mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I really connected to when she talked about like liking and wanting and learning yeah, and talking mm-hmm. about it in the way that your brain is processing things, but also the way your body is and how those things aren't necessarily connected. And she has a whole chapter that talks about like the non- non-concordance. Yes. 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 Make sure I say that right. But that's such a big part of it is like you can like and want something, but sometimes your body is just like they, they've not, learned this yeah. behavior. Mm. And so you're reacting a certain way, but you might not even want it and I don't that was so eye-opening to me just the science behind it yes like wait it's this complex yeah Yeah. like oh you're wet oh you want this Mm. oh yeah or or mentally being like oh I want this and he's like yeah but you're not but you're not ready Uh, and you're like no I want this but like they don't always 10% of the time they line up yeah 10% this book honestly Men need to read it. Yes. Yes. I I mean, you sit down and you have the conversation and you have, I mean, I don't know how many, I mean, granted, I'm not in a marriage, but you sit down and you have these conversations with your spouse, but there's so much, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I was, I'm pretty open when it comes to sexually, but I didn't the whole guys and what they've grown up with and the stigma, the non-concordance, the, I mean, there's so much yeah. there. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this is, wow, this is, oh, I didn't realize that this is how it was. And for men to read it, because I think wholeheartedly most men, and especially husbands, want to please their spouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they I want to all make partners. you feel, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, so they want this information as much as we do. Yeah. Right. Which uh, makes me go back, maybe, this might not be helpful, of the medical, the moral, and the yeah. media message and how deeply that has stuck and how so many people are not benefiting from um, 
No one. No one's benefiting. Nobody's no benefiting. One. If women aren't benefiting, then like our partners aren't benefiting. Right. If, if our partners aren't benefiting, then we aren't. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. So the moral message, she's the moral message. Come, it like ties a lot back to like that slut shaming. So like the moral message is you are evil, mm-hmm. right? Like that that sexual desire. Temptress. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The moral you know, my message. My husband cheats. Yeah. yeah. If if you <laughs> like this, if you want this, if you're okay with this, then you are evil. Um, the medical message is you are diseased. Something is wrong with you. And then the media message being you are inadequate. So compared to um, an 18-year-old pre-childbirth getting girl, I am definitely inadequate because I have the hips, the extra body fat, or like whatever, like that comparison. And so, yeah, so you have that those are the messages that we're basing our sexuality, our sexual experiences off of. Mm-hmm. And that is benefiting no one, which is why, like, the, my favorite part of reading this book and and setting down the things that aren't helping me is the empowerment that you step into when you feel okay and comfortable and you feel good enough in your own skin, in your own experience, then you don't need to judge others. Mm-hmm. And you feel okay to be curious and, like, do I like that? Should we try that? Do I want to do this? Or like, yeah. actually, no, nope. Let me like pull that week. Nope, I don't want that. Actually, like, it's that empowerment that we step into when we can let go of these messages that are serving none of us. Well, Krista, I would be so bold to say that without the empowerment, you will not be able to let go of those. Yeah. So without first tending to yourself you will not be able to let go of these things, um, which goes back to non-judgment, that how we feel about what we feel is what's most important. It starts with me. And I can't, like you were saying, I can't change the media messages, but what I can do is work on myself and then and I And what have, media I take yeah, in. Mm-hmm. What I what I choose to believe and what I choose not to believe. Because it's like, I don't know, people can be bringing you plants and be like, do you want this one? Like, this one is what a lot of people believe. And it's like, well, no, I don't want to plant that, you know? But, and then children. Like, we're talking about how men don't understand these things and women don't understand their own bodies. And it's like, no, it starts with me as a mother and a parent uh, and my partner as well, being able to teach our children new messages teaching my boys about their body as well as women's and teaching my daughter about her body as well as men's body and that her cherry popping is totally fake right exactly (laughs) yes yes. getting rid of all of that all of that seriously it starts with the parents uh now yeah being able to teach the new generation which was so mind-blowing to me taryn because it was like it's now up to me. Mm-hmm. It's no longer, oh, this happened to me. It's like, well, now me as the adult gets to decide what grows in my garden. So now take your shrub elsewhere. Yeah. It's not welcome in this yeah. little piece of land here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love how you phrase that too, what's happened to me, because she, she touches on that yes. multiple times in the book. Stop asking yourself what's wrong with me or why am I broken? The the chapter on stress cycles yes. probably took me two weeks to get through. It was me too. very triggering for me. Yeah. Me it was very difficult, but it was fascinating in, in the context. I'm a dog trainer and my life coach has recommended that when I'm struggling with patterns of behavior that I don't like in myself to examine my brain as if it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and if I was training this behavior, what would I do? And when she's talking about stress it that relates in the dog training world the character trait fear and the drive survival drive fear is all about i'm perceiving a threat yes real or imaginary there's something physiological in my body there's a response telling me i am in danger danger, something's going to keep me from being safe or getting what i want survival is all about your desire to negate that threat i'm going to go into fight flight or freeze because these are the three things i can do to get rid of that lion. And I had never thought about my sexual stress response in that context of a dog doesn't have a frontal lobe, but their brain is functionally exactly the same. Their limbic system does the exact same things. The difference is they aren't able to act 
disingenuously. They behave the way that they're feeling constantly. Mm -hmm. So if I've got a dog who's developed aggression or avoidant behavior or locks up based out of fear, I can help address that. And, and that with the context of accelerator and brake, I have a very, very, you blow on my accelerator, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like featherweight accelerator, I am, boom, yep. we're, we're in, irons are all on the fire, which has always been something I've taken for granted because now I've got brakes interfering. I have sexual trauma from my previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This book helped me understand not only how that trauma was impacting my brakes, I've got an environmental protection system built in that when the context is not right, I might respond to something in a totally different way. Something that in the heat of the moment, whoa, gets me going. Mm-hmm. If I'm not ready for it, shuts me down. Yeah. And that's been really difficult for my husband, who's so sweet and trying to help work through it, to understand that if I do this in the wrong context, it's triggering. And so he feels like he can't touch me now. Mm. So even just having the framework to explain to him, this is triggering in this way because of this. And here's how we can retrain my brain to not even Mm. view that as a threat, but I need you to understand it's not you. I need you to not take it personally, and I need you to help me not feel broken and understand it's not what's wrong with me. It's what we've been through, and that's okay, and we can work through it. That's all I'm going to get out right now. Gosh, there's so much. Oh, that was beautiful. That was really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. It's when you had somebody hurt you with their words in an intimate situation, it affects your later relationships more than sometimes you know yeah it targets your inadequacy right like having someone say something about you in that sexual way targets your inadequacy and like you were saying with your husband I think that that's the biggest message men get too that they struggle with is like inadequacy or not being enough kind of like taking I've had this conversation with my husband before where it's like you don't need to take on my sexual my sexuality like that's not your responsibility but I think that men get the message that it is I don't know what do you guys think about that like do you they have to fix you yeah yeah they have to fix everything and if they don't they have to walk on eggshells because they might trigger you right but if they and 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 if they don't fix you they feel broken they're not the hero of the story and if you're not the hero you're the villain yeah Mm. yep yeah, that's but, scary. But even to an extent, like, I felt like my husband did have to fix me. Like, like I came into our relationship having no sense of sexuality, having oh, no I sense of who I was. Okay. And I he with that. was, like, very open-minded and very, like, I'm open to anything. And it took me years Ooh. of time to get to a point where I was accepting him. Like, I like things, too. And it's yeah. not bad that I like these things. And it's not terrible that I like these things. And it's okay. And, and it was on him to help guide me yeah, through this I because can. he was my partner, right? He He's my, my maybe, person. Maybe I, it wasn't on him, but maybe he was a safe and loving love environment that, yeah. yes. that yes. allowed yeah. you to explore parts of yourself that maybe felt hidden or taboo or untouchable to you. And maybe, not that you needed fixing, but maybe you needed a space for someone to love you enough in order to help guide you out. I don't know if men feel like they have to fix, but I do know that in a safe and loving relationship, you will be accepted as you are. There's so much vulnerability. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, It feels good to hear about situations that, like you were describing, like you have somebody who you can put all your faith and trust in and open up this huge vulnerability and figure become out. yourself. Like, yeah. I hear that as, like, yeah. you fixed you. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. That I Beautiful. said I was given an environment that allows me this yes. space. Absolutely. Because I can... And to, to strengthen me enough to yeah, be able to. I can, absolutely, I can absolutely relate to you. It took having a relationship where... 
I mean, I'm sure my husband gets so tired of having to constantly tell me over and over again that I am enough. However, I have some hypervigilance that I like am working through. I have my like my own things and unfortunately in order to love me and be in a relationship with me, you have to help me. Okay, let me rephrase that. It's not that you have to help me, it's that there has to be space in space. order for my experiences to be real and true. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds like kind of like what yeah. you're describing. Yeah. Well, and if stimuli that hits our brakes is just threats, it's just perception of a threat, then essentially you're having somebody help you feel safe. safe. Yeah. And create, yes. it's not that they are dissociating the stress, it's that they're creating a beautiful, pure, new association. Absolutely. But I feel like in your soul, you know to be true. And you mm -hmm. want to be true about yes. yourself. And you and want it. Exactly. And, want it. Yes. And, and so it's not that it's their job to heal you, but there is something you can't put words to. The, the healing power of that vulnerability and that connection and, and a relationship where you can come to somebody and say, here are parts of myself that make me feel like I'm not good enough and have them go, that's okay, and you're perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's and like you look at two, like if you looked at two options in front of you and one felt really safe and the other one didn't and the other one was maybe saying hurtful things, you're going to choose the safer one. You know that's where you're going to grow most, yeah. but that doesn't have anything to do with either of those two environments or people. That still has everything to do with you. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, one of my dearest friends, uh, Wild Women, I love them, um, told me that sex is an energy exchange. And if you don't want to take on their energy and what their energy exudes, that's that's what you're coming to the table with and that's what your partner comes to the table with. And whether that's in a one-time, one-night stand or if that's in a safe and loving relationship and on your stressful days or your hard times or the energy that you guys put on the table and that's why context comes into play mm -hmm. and you're exchanging that energy between each other and do you want to take their energy on and do you feel yes. safe with them and their energy and what are you bringing to the table it's just a flow of the two of you together and how do you want to feel and do you feel safe with it shout yeah. out to Kelsey yeah <laughs> on this side I might be the only one who's currently single I am so grateful that this information is getting out sooner than later. Having my daughter, having my daughter have this information because I didn't. Right. My ex her and I didn't know this information. It wasn't a safe place for me to find out. This was about, you know, he didn't either. And it was detrimental to our relationship. So the fact that you have a safe space is, be so grateful for it. I was married for 15 years and I thought sex was a physical act. I had no concept that it was also emotional, that it was an issue of exchanging energy. And I remember one night that for me, it was, and I remember walking out of it like, what was that? Why was that so different? It was because I connected to him. Can we just lighten this up by saying there's nothing like having sex with teenagers? <laughs> I'll never do it in the backseat of a car again. said to my husband I, I feel really firm about this if I if my husband and I have a very unified loving relationship where these kind of things are open and we talk about them then it becomes normal becomes yes. natural yeah. so yes yes um, I said to uh, my husband and I were talking the other day in the kitchen 
we're going away for Christmas and we're booking a hotel and getting all the kids together. At the same time, I booked a hotel for our anniversary. So my youngest son kind of got mixed up and he thought he was going with us on our anniversary. Oh! Like, no, no, I lived underneath your bedroom for years. So I can't do that again. <laughs> embarrassing but I'm really grateful that he knows that we have a good relationship I I had that experience with we heard my friend's parents go at it and <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and then she walks down like do, do, do. <laughs> and we asked what's an orgasm and what did she say she said have you ever taken a pillow and rubbed yourself against it till you get that feeling of <sighs> A pillow. Was a pillow a, pillow, a secret word for penis? No. So, ironically, I knew exactly what she was talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, actually. Been there like, I that. do know that. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, it's, I would have never in a million years asked my mom, you know. Yeah, I love the idea of normalizing conversation well and normalizing that your parents do that you know like I get that you don't want to listen in on that or you know be a part of it or anything yeah don't tell me but like I want it to be normal that that's what my parents do and that it's an act of love and 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 it's actually a good thing that they're Mm. doing that yes it's a bad thing if they're not you know like my son the other day we were talking he had a question about sex and somehow it got brought up that like we do that in our bed and so he, that was like news to him. He's like, I've been in that yeah, bed. He was like mortified and like ran to tell my daughter. And he's like, they have sex in their bed. Like, and I'm like, well, good. Now, you know, like, yeah. like yeah. I, I want it to You're be like, normal to them. Well, that's that's not the only yeah. Way. I'm like, well, you know, where you eat your dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, probably in your bed Let too, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I hear a lot of this too, though, that, you know, for any of our listeners, something that I would like to normalize is that you matter in a relationship yes. just yes. as much. Yes. And we kind of touched on this is if you do not feel safe and loved and held and supported, then honey, keep on walking. That's something that was very confusing to me when I was younger. I thought that love was chaos love was fighting. It was all of these things. And so I feel like ultimately something that I also got a main message was I am the lead character in my story and to the same to all of you and all of our listeners. And if you don't feel that you have that space to work out these very complex, very intricate and deep well-rooted things in a current relationship that you are in you deserve and are worthy of safe spaces in order to grow because only in safe spaces do we actually heal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i love you all i love you thank you guys for Ooh. giving us the space to have this conversation mm-hmm. yeah. i appreciate it i mean my deepest wish is that this is like the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. You guys should be doing this in every county. You could do like five meetings <laughs> and being like, get 10 of your best friends together. We're talking about sex. Oh, Wouldn't God, that be so fun? I would, yeah. seriously, seriously. Like, this is magical. Yeah. Well, come to our next book club. And and what's crazy to me, this blows me away every time because I keep thinking like, we're going to have a sexy combo. And like, never one time is it like, illicit. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. always like, it's almost spiritual. It yeah, is. It is. I think about 100%. like how like we're in tears and we're and we're embracing each other and we're just like looking at each other just like I see you. Mm. And I feel like wow, this is actually such an incredible experience. It it hasn't ever been like Nasty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it but that is like one of the messages we're sold. And so, yeah, I love the idea of just like no, providing like a different way to experience our own sexuality our own yeah sexual experience so and we can start that and pass the torch on to our children of you know you are normal you are perfect you are beautiful 
Yeah. You are normal. You are your you your are pleasure enough. matters. You are enough. your yes. experience matters. Well, I think what you're saying about just recording this podcast, like going into it being like, ooh, what are we going to talk about? But yeah. then you, you don't, was the same way I felt about this book. We're going into it. I was like, oh my gosh, like what are, yeah. what are the pages yeah, going to say? And I was like, oh, this is like science. Like this yeah. is like a textbook. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and you just don't expect that because that's what we've been ingrained is like, oh, this is such this like dirty, like, ooh. But really it's just like we're all doing it. And yeah. it's emotions and it's science and I'll, like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's that it's that steamy, you are an object, you are here to be desired, you are here to be sexual, and instead of, what's the emotional context? Do you, are you freezing when somebody's touching you in a certain way? Because that is a sign. You interpret that in a bad way, in a bad context. And mm. and can you have the communication with your partner to to articulate that and to say, here's what I'm feeling and why, and it's not about you, and I need you to not take it personally, but here's how I think we could do it differently. Mm. When what it, what does she say that it's not a failure? It's just like a learning, like the learning experience. Yeah, of like oh cool, you don't like that, awesome. Like you learned, it doesn't have to be. Like oh, I'm the I'm the worst. I'm yeah. Oh, and just, yeah. My favorite line that I feel like that blew my mind of this book is, orgasm happens in your brain, not in your genitals. Yes. <gasps> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm like, we just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible from the bottom of our hearts thank you drop into our dms you can find us on instagram at i totally relate pod or you can share your feedback and insights with us at i totally relate pod at gmail.com We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.